Welcome to Boomcast, the official podcast from Boombox.io. I'm Isabel Lucas. And I'm Fabio from Noise London. Boombox is a connection point for music producers, musicians, and engineers to be able to share, store, and synergize creativity. Don't forget that this month we are giving away $500 worth of studio equipment. So make sure you comment down below on what you would buy with the $500 and don't forget to subscribe. Today we're actually here in London in Fabio from Noise London's apartment. And I don't know if you guys saw the podcast a couple of podcasts ago, but Fabio interviewed me and Lauren as a team MBL and talked to us about how we grew that. And today we're going to interview Fabio from Noise London about how you went to 113,000 followers on Instagram in six months. Absolutely. And uh, we started in Nashville, now we're in London. Who knows where we'll do the next podcast together. It's uh, We're moving all around the world and yeah. It's it, been a fun time. Yeah, it's been really exciting. So let's talk about how it all started. What made you want to be a music producer and what kind of was like, you know, maybe you, the thing that inspired you to get to where you are today? So originally I was a singer-songwriter for many years, uh, from the age of about 15 to 21. And um, I had a lot of success. It was it was great fun. I was signed to Warner Brothers. You know, I, I had that major label experience. But I kind of recognized as a singer-songwriter that I didn't have the... I didn't have full control yeah. over my project and I felt that the, the thing that was missing was being able to make the music myself within the computer. Yeah. Uh, you know, within the studio, uh, within Logic, Ableton, whatever. And then I kind of actually left the singing behind mm. and went full-time into production and then eventually became an engineer. So like what was that thing that made you want to jump to that instead of just hiring an engineer? So I did hire an engineer. Yeah. And at a very expensive engineering and quite well-known engineering house, which I yeah. shall not name. Right. I remember being in the studio. It's like, yeah, beautiful studio. It must cost hundreds of thousands to build and brought the stems and da, 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 they did yeah. their thing. Come at home, listen to the record. And I was like, no, ah, this is kind of shit. This is kind of, so I emailed back. I said, well, okay, but you know, you know, the, they, like this they know what they're thing. doing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, could you adjust this, this and this? Version two comes back gets worse. Gets worse. And I wasn't like a complete noob. I knew, I knew what I was talking about. I knew how to express what I wanted. Yeah. Um, mix 3 comes back even worse. And I was oh, like, God. And I thought, if this person cannot mix my record in the way that I want it to, yeah. to the, the standard I want it, in their, two, let's call it 200,000 pounds. Dollar studio. Okay, got it. Dollar studio. Pound, even more. Why can't, <laughs> yeah. Why can't I do it at home? Yeah. And it, that coincided with other people asking me if I could mix their records uh, and paying me to do it. And I was like... So you saw the signs. How did you learn? No. Because you... I mean, it's not something that you can just flip a switch and all of a sudden you're as good as a 200,000-pound studio. What Did you learn on YouTube? Did you... What was the process? A, a lot of it was YouTube. I also had... I was assigned up to Pure Mix, which is one of those like subscription Got tutorial it. platforms. I treated it like a university degree. I'd never been to university, yeah. so I, I, I challenged myself to study it. And I would watch videos and I would write things out and then I would try them out. And I was also producing music. So I had, I, I had projects to be able yeah. to apply all these techniques to. And it was just trial and error, trial and error. And usually it was complicating it, simplifying it. Yes. Complicating it, simplifying it. And that was kind of, that's always been my journey. Uh, even now, I'm, I feel like I'm at a point where I'm complicating everything <laughs> and I'm going to make it simple again. I think the next question I have then going through this process is like, okay, so then people start offering you to pay you for this. So now you're doing a different thing for work. 
than you were with the songwriting. Are you still doing the songwriting as well? No, so I was, so after songwriting, I closed my contract with Warner. Yeah. And they had to pay me to basically leave. They, yeah. dro they dropped me, but because I completed everything in the contract, I had enough money to live for a year. Okay. So I doubled down and I was like 40. What year was this? 2012. Trying to build okay, so it's been a while. <coughs> it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, 2012. And so I was doing like 14 hours a day in the studios. My friend said, it's going to take you seven years to become a producer and engineer. And I was like, I'll do it in three. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Um, enter anxiety attack. <laughs> uh, and As it does. Yeah, so I had enough money to live for a year. And then, you know, cash flow ran out. Yeah. I, I got to get a job. Okay. So I got a job in a pub. Okay. And I thought, this is the most productive thing I've ever done in my life. Okay. It was humbling and it was everything I needed. Right. Yeah. It was really important. Do you know how to make cocktails? I do, but not from the pub. Oh, okay. We don't really do cocktails in pubs. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I don't know. It was, was like, gonna... like a very British. Right. So it's basically just, yeah, <sighs> just that pouring was, that the was pints. The job. I, I met some great people whilst working there and that's not to undermine what anyone does in the service industry sure, yeah. or working in a pub, but I recognized for myself that I wasn't learning anything new mm -hmm. and it was really unproductive and my brain was hungry for information. So I emailed every single academy in London mm. and asked them if they needed a job as a tutor. Right. And I would do this every week, even if they said no. Whatever it was, I was like, I, I will not work at this pub. Right. I will not, it's not, gonna, it's not gonna help me advance in my career. Eventually I got the position at an academy. Um, there was an opening and it was between me and another chap. And I got the position and then shortly after took position as head tutor. Oh. I got to write all my own courses, cool. which was great because I got to keep everything up to date with what was going on in the industry. Yeah. We didn't have to follow a curriculum per se. Cool. Teaching really solidifies your own learning because you can know how to do something uh, when it comes to production. You can know how to make a fat baseline or make really sick drums, but trying to explain that to someone is actually quite difficult. Someone yeah, yeah, who's yeah. never done it before. And then that made me realize, oh, this is actually how you do it. And this is the step-by-step -step process. And you probably see on my Instagram, a bit of that coming out, the sort of the teacher in me. And I was with them for about three years. But yeah, the singing, that was all swept under the rug. I will not sing again. Um, <laughs> I don't even do karaoke, but yeah. So did you, did you not ever really enjoy the singing? Was it something where you thought it was your dream, but then you realized that it wasn't really your dream? Or like, what made you be like, I'm not gonna sing again? I want the dish, I want the nice okay, London okay. dish. Honestly, I was surprised I ever got that far as a singer, because I was pretty crap. Okay. You know, I just, I think I was, it was I, I went into music because, and this is gonna sound really cheesy, but I know a lot of people relate to it. I went into music because it was just a way of channeling my emotion. I was an emotional kid. I had a lot to say. I was very rebellious, very anarchistic. And that was just my, my, yeah, it was just the way of, of getting it out. It was my yeah, therapy. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I, I, I got signed to this pot factory originally called Metrophonics, which was an amazing experience. I'm very grateful to them, but it was very nine to five. It was where you would turn up, you would, it was like going to the office and then you'd all have lunch together. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. This isn't like, yeah. it's not rock and roll. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As a young, impressionable 16 year old, that's what I wanted. Right. Eventually it was suggested that we should do EDM and EDM was a big thing. Swedish House Mafia was coming yeah. out. Martin Garrix was coming out and they said, okay, why don't Fabs, why don't you do EDM? I wasn't really super into it uh -huh. for myself, but uh -huh. they want to do Synthwave. And we're sitting in the studio after two weeks of 
writing was really intense. Mm-hmm. Everyone's super psyched. I go outside. I don't know if we can put this on the podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. I go outside and I smoke a joint and I come back in to the studio. Everyone's jumping on. And this is a nice studio, you know, like Adele yeah. recorded at the studio. This is like legit. And I'm sitting there with my, my hand in my, and my head in my hands. And I was like, Yoka, this is going to be huge. This is amazing. And I'm like, this is so shit. But I was right. Yeah. But I was right. And I knew it wasn't because after that, my, I realized that one, I wasn't, I just, it was all too processed uh-huh. for me and too fabricated. And I had lost touch with why I was making music in the first place. When I was at Warner, I must have written 300 songs. Wow. And one got released. Wow. So for anyone who thinks being signed to the major label is the dream, it can be tough too. Yeah. There is another side to it, which I'm sure we'll get into an, yeah. another time. Does the engineering then and the way you do things now on Instagram and everything else, does that fulfill more than like for your creativity and your like, your, does it make you get that you know, drive um, that you weren't getting from singing and songwriting as much? How do you feel now? In control. In control. Right. There's like very it. few things in life we can control. And I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm fully in control. That would be, that would be yeah, yeah, yeah. cocky to say that. But I would say I'm in control and I make the connections I want to create. And I, I've built my own network. Right. I'm not dependent. You're more independent. Yeah. On a label. I, I think Which is la- amazing. That's one of the coolest things about social media too. Exactly. And I think labels are very useful and very helpful. And I'm not saying that labels aren't important by any means. I think they can be you know, a real important stepping stone for a lot of artists to be able to get their music out there right. and get it and to get it in the right hands and to leverage a label's resources and yeah. network. But the my personal position when I went into that label was I was a developing artist. Right. And that had and it was also at the time when the music industry was still in its recession. Right. Spotify had still not really yeah, surfaced. Yeah, mainly iTunes and... 2009, yeah, right? Pandora. <laughs> so 360-degree deals were being... If you don't know what 360-degree deal is, basically means that when the label signs you, they own everything. everything. Yeah. Like, I, paint an, I paint a photo, uh, paint a picture, and I sell it to Lucas. Yeah, they own that. They, they own part of that too, you know? So it's like everything, yeah. It, it was kind of... It was a restrictive and a place where they didn't feel like there was a lot of... Was social media ever a part of any of this or were you not really doing social media until kind of six months ago? So when I was at the academy, I recognized how important Instagram was. I think, um, we, I think we all did. Yeah. I think we were t- around 2000 and... Goodbye, Siri. I think around <laughs> 2000 and... Siri's not being interviewed today. 15, we really saw started to see Instagram as a billboard, as uh-huh. an advertising billboard yeah. rather than just a place to share yeah. photos from Hipstamatic with your friends, right? And I, the academy where I worked, um, and some people will know this because you can go look it up, but I'm just not going to mention them, but the academy where I worked was very focused on education and wasn't really focused on the studio and selling the dream. And I mm. felt like that was such an important part of learning music and being part of the music industry. So I said, hey, we should push Instagram. We yeah. should uh, we should do more YouTube videos. Point Blank was doing these amazing Friday seminars mm-hmm. every week, and they were just full of incredible information. I couldn't wait to sit down and watch those. I was like, why aren't we doing it? Yeah. <clears throat> we should be at least trying to compete with the number one production school in the world. The boss turned around to me and said, Instagram's not important. This is a waste of time. 
um, why am I giving you all my energy and all my ideas, which when I, I you don't do even want to do them when yeah. I could do it myself. Right. And we want to take this time to thank boombox.io, which again is the home of collaboration. If you have not checked it out, they are sponsoring this podcast and also made this collaboration possible. And they're the best place for you to be able to go and collab with any other music producer, vocalist, engineer, etc., online. And you can start your account at boombox.io. And don't forget that this month, Boombox are giving away $500 worth of studio equipment. So comment down below on what you would spend that $500 on and don't forget to subscribe. And today's out of the box question that has nothing to do with the topic of the video. It's completely out of the box. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. If you had all of the money in the world, like money's no object and you can do anything, what would be like your dream life? Would you still be doing like noise London Instagram posts daily or would you change that because you have unlimited resources, you can work with anyone, would you do it differently? Like what would be this like dream scenario? I mean, you know what would be really cool and this, it just popped into my head when you asked the question, but building like a series of amazing studios on the super yachts. I love that. And then traveling the world and filming in different locations super and having yacht people studio. on board. Yeah. Comment below if you would build a super yacht studio as well. Or if you'd visit it. Yeah, if you'd visit it too. If you'd visit comment below if you would visit a super yacht studio. Get Bezos on the phone. No, it might be tough for the audio, the sound waves would be like Yeah, yeah. Now what I really want to get into is what is the thing that led to this six months of explosive growth for you where you went to 113, you probably have more than that now, thousand followers. What changed? What was like the, the big thing that you did differently? Started the YouTube in 2019. First mm -hmm. year was awesome, a lot of growth, and I went ham. You know, I, I, I put in uh, so much work. I did two videos a week, uh, but it took a lot out of me. And then COVID came in, and yeah. that kind of accelerated the growth of my business. But YouTube-wise, I went to Canada, and I didn't have a proper studio there. I didn't have a proper backdrop, and the audio from the mic, you could hear the reflection. Mm. I do feel like that affected the quality of the video and potentially how my audience was connecting with it. And then I took six months off mm -hmm. to just like, I was like, okay, breathe, come back to it. Came back to it, started putting out one video a week consistently. And, but it just, what it, the wheels weren't turning for yeah. me. They just weren't. And 2021 was a weird year because I think everyone thought everything was going to come back to normal. Yeah. And it didn't. So clients of mine who I had in the past weren't there anymore. Right. And noise as a business was not doing very well. Mm. Realistically, it wasn't. So I started a social media agency. That kind of makes sense though, because yeah. like you're saying, like uh, people were like, didn't know what to expect. And with that uncertainty, they didn't really necessarily want to release music. They or were invest. Interested. Yeah, or invest yeah. in there. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Because none of the clubs were opening up and I worked with a lot of electronic artists, uh -huh. as you know. And So now you started an agency? I did, I started a social media agency and I started doing content for other brands because okay. I, I, I needed to make money. Yeah. And early this year, I was going to sell noise. Wow. I was actually going to sell noise. I was, uh, I felt like I was like, um, you know what? I'm, I think I'm just done with the music industry. I want to move into something else. Wow. I think I've just, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a brutal industry. Sometimes. Well, but it's like you said too, though, it's this whole thing of like reflect and, and then kind mm. of figure out. And I like that you don't kind of trap yourself, but you give yourself freedom to, to think about these things on a deeper level too. Totally. But I'm glad you didn't sell it because otherwise we wouldn't be here uh, having this conversation with you. And as I was about to sell it, like I had this, what I, I call in my life, in this moment of my life, like an ego death. So I lost both my clients that my high paying clients from the social media agency. Oh. 
Um, noise wasn't doing well. And then I also basically like broke my back and couldn't Whoa. walk properly for two months. Wow. And there was, I, I could barely make rent. Wow. There was like nothing there anymore. And shout out to my assistant, Matt. You've been here for a long time and I give you a lot of credit for this. But he was like, hey, Fabs, why don't you do reels? Why don't you do reels? And I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, I suppose so. But I was like, oh, am I going to screen flow this? Oh, so complicated. So before reels, were you doing photos and like sliders just, and stuff? Yeah, just basic stuff. I had like, I had 12K. Okay. So I, I had a small following, you know, but I had enough to... I wasn't starting completely from zero, but mm -hmm. to be honest, the followers were decreasing because I was yeah, so inactive yeah. on the Instagram. It was more of a messaging service. And then he said, do reels. And I said, okay. And so I looked at what other people were doing and I noticed a lot of people were just filming with their phone. It was very yep. simple. And I thought, yep. well, I can do that. Yep. That's, that's easy for me. I don't have to set up my camera. So I started, I was like, okay, I'm going to do one a day. I'm going to come up with some ideas and I'm just going to do it. Do it. I'm going to just do the same thing. And I don't know why... I thought the glasses were a good idea. I didn't know. It was just like a thing. I was I had these glasses and I, I loved them. I was like, you know, I'm going to wear the glasses. I want to make this my look. Yeah. And I think, it, funnily enough, it's such a silly little thing, but it worked to my advantage because it it's made cool. me more recognizable. Yeah, for sure. And I do this stupid thing where I swivel in the chair. I and, love it. I don't it know. It adds just, more excitement. Yeah, and shot. you have your thing too, sure, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? We all have our, our thing and the way we interact with the, the camera. The camera. Mm -hmm. And I just did one a day, one a day, one a day. And then one video just like took off yeah and then i did and then i was like okay cool so continue 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 and i did it for before i took a break i think i did it for three months straight mm -hmm. every, every day sometimes twice a day mm -hmm. and just really went ham and then as you know my instagram got hacked yes at 50k i think it was about, at about 50k and this story is crazy <coughs> because you would think my Instagram got hacked. It's going to destroy all my work that I got to this point. And then it ends up doing the opposite and you end up having this huge blast off of followers. I, I was like, I was oddly calm about the fact that it got hacked. Like yeah. really oddly, I was like, you know what? If I can do 50K from 12 to 50K in three months, I could do it again. Yeah. You know, I was like, I was confident I could do it again. So I was like, okay. So at some point I'll share with everyone the negotiations between me and the hacker because that's hilarious. Uh, but what happened was the hacker put out a story from my Instagram, which I didn't have access to, saying, I'm selling this account for $350. And I thought, you cheap bastard. <laughs> right? You, I was, I, that hurt. Uh, that part more. That was, I was like, you up the ante. Do you know what I mean? Like $3,500. And as a result of that, I, th I can't remember how many people replied to that the story. The DMs were nuts. Nuts. Yeah, and what, no, it's because I got the account back. What people might not know is that Instagram tracks that kind of engagement. So when they see a huge spike in people DMing you, it brings, of course, more profile visits, et cetera, et cetera. And it leads Instagram to want to push your account out to more people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this synchronized with another video that I did, which is still my most viewed video to this day called Useful Websites Part One. That happened, the video took off, and it was just a and spike. And the hack, the whole thing. Yeah. Not that you <laughs> should. Uh, Hope for your don't. account to get hacked, obviously, no. but it has to do with the fact that um, it, it just goes to the fact that you, you want to try to build like some excitement and yeah. through, you know, doing something to engage your audience can be very helpful. What um, have you really learned from this experience and what kind of tips could you give to someone? Maybe th what are your three tips that you would give to people out there, producers who are or singers, etc., that want to grow a following on Instagram or TikTok? My first tip would be do one thing and do it well. 
You know, don't try and cover loads of ground that you're unfamiliar with. People will will struggle to find it to be authentic. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, just to go a little bit deeper on that point, I think don't be scared. If, if you're if you're if what you're doing well is progressing, if you're starting from zero and you're progressing, and you're like, "Well, I've got nothing to offer," but what you're offering is actually your journey and how you're progressing, and that's what you're documenting. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing well, right? Uh, if you're particularly good at sound design, that's what you're doing well. You know, it could be anything. Obviously, I'm, we're just talking about right. videos and music production. So the second thing would be be consistent. It's such an overrated yes. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But being consistent also means being sustainable hmm. because consistency and sustainability go hand in hand. Right. If you're like, I'm going to do 17 reels every day. <laughs> You're not going to be consistent with that. It's just not going to happen. Maybe one reel a day is too much for you. And that's okay yeah. too. You know what I mean? Everyone has their own pace. You'll find times to pick up the pace. There are times where I just don't post for a week. And I'm like, oh, I'm oh, not posting for a week. And actually, I had a lot of growth during that week because all the videos Previous in the back videos are, doing well. are doing really well. So be really consistent and, and, and be sustainable about your approach. And it's better to outdo yourself you know as in like oh, i'm going to do one a week and you end up doing three a week then you're going to feel really good about yourself and it's instead going to of underdoing like i'm going to do two a day exactly. and, you, and you can't keep it up it's going to motivate you to do so much yeah. more this is the most powerful tool that has ever been given to us and it is the most underrated thing and i say I always say to people you know who are really talented musicians singers djs producers I always ask them, do you have a TikTok? Do you have an Instagram? Mm-hmm. No, it's so embarrassing. And I say, you know what's embarrassing? The fact that you're so talented yeah. and you don't want to share it with people. I think the biggest thing is that they don't really know what to share and they sure. see a lot sure. of, uh, and that's why we're here, right? But they see a lot of other artists who basically, I think most artists think that Instagram and these other platforms are like an announcement platform. Like yeah. their posts are going to be like new track coming out soon. Yeah. Here's a, you know, just very like announcey stuff. Thanks for a uh, hundred thousand streams on this. Uh, you know, they play a show and they're like, thank you, Chicago last night was awesome. And so they don't really know what to post unless something is going on. So if they don't have yeah. some big kind of, you know, moment happening, then they're like, well, oh, I don't know what to post. But the secret is to figure out what to post when nothing is going on, I right. think. Because Correct. then you can do that, for, you know, in between all those moments and you mm-hmm. can stay consistent. And what you should be able to post is something that is, you know, authentic to you. Like you're a studio engineer, so you're posting engineer tips. It makes exactly. sense. Or, or, or you're posting gear or you're posting things that really uh, you enjoy. And I think maybe artists just need to figure out what it is that they enjoy or what their specific talents are and how they can share those with the world instead of just posting announcements. And also by, by, by showing people what you're doing when there isn't something big going on, you're also building an intimate connection True. with your audience because people love a bit of insight and that creates also familiarity, right? Oh, I have those headphones or oh, I have that, you know, I have that audio interface or that's, oh, that's cool that uh, they post uh, at night or that they also get tired. You know, you're sharing yeah. things that maybe you think, well, why would anyone care? Tr- yeah. Trust me. If if you if it comes from a, a a place you know if it comes from your heart and it comes from a place of goodwill people will care and people want to feel like they're part of a tribe and you're just reinforcing that for them.
what are some things because we're going into a new year yes um what are some things that you're looking forward to maybe one thing that is inspiring you that maybe you're going to do differently something i'm really excited to do is build the boombox channel with yes. lucas i, I think i think there's just so much scope for long-form content still and you know we re I, I i've mentioned this before in previous podcasts but like lucas and i work really well off each other because we cover two different areas in the industry which i think are really really important when they work together They're, yeah you know there's a beautiful marriage between studio those engineering things. tech yeah. all this and then like marketing, marketing. all that stuff yeah. And yeah. i like the fact that we both also have a little bit of an insight on each other's stuff too like i know a little bit of the back end i've mastered some of my own songs and stuff like that and you definitely know about some marketing and social media stuff so and there's great crossover and it's it's kind of like for me it's a bit of a dream come true because i've always wanted this team and this network and being able to pick up other people's brains because you know ultimately people say never be the smartest person in the room mm. and i always think that piece of advice is taken so badly because it doesn't mean that it you doesn't mean that you are a bunch of people who yeah. it, it means that someone has everyone has something to offer right and you right. have to you can learn from everyone and so that's sort of my approach and and i i'm just excited to see how we can build boombox community and uh What's going to come out of that? So don't forget to comment below what you would get with your $500 in studio or software gear. And also make sure that you subscribe because one of the first thousand subscribers is going to win. Well, you can find both of us in the link in the description yes. below. I am at noise underscore London on I'm Instagram. at music by Lucas. And don't forget to sign up for boombox.io, the ultimate tool for collaboration. Peace.